Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Welcome to Knife Talk, podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, DIYers. You know who you are. I'm Jeff Fader from Fader Knives, here with the captain of the ship, Craig Lockwood, and no Mareko. Mareko is gallivanting along in Montana with some high-level dudes doing his thing, but in the meantime, we have our one of our favorite people of all time, and your favorite people of all time, Fingal Ferguson. Fingal? Hey, darlings. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm very good. Thank you for having me. All the time. Craig, how are you feeling? I'm probably going to be a little quiet on this one. Okay. Um, I, the whole family has just gone down with everything. everything. So we're, we're, we're still in the UK. Um, little buddy, um, our one-year-old, um, he'd been in, he's been in hospital for what, four days. Oh, my came God. Out, came out yesterday, late yesterday. Um, so he'd had just chicken pox, just run-of-the-mill chicken pox. But, you know, when you're one, it's, it's, not, it's not very nice. Big deal. Um, it's a big deal, but he also had a, an ear infection and sickness and diarrhea, and um, and he couldn't eat because he had chickenpox in his throat and he couldn't even oh drink. So, so we had to take him to hospital, and obviously he's de- dehydrated, so they had to put him on a drip for a few days in hospital, uh, which meant my my wife was obviously in hospital with him, um, and I'm there with with I'm here with the twins now. So we're in my mother in law's house um, without any of our stuff really. Um, with the twins, they've had uh, sickness and diarrhea as well. Um, and guess who's caught that today too? Myself. So it's it's been it's been <laughs> sorry a, to laugh. Yeah, <laughs> it's been a lovely trip. Yeah, <laughs> but, I, uh, I'm only laughing because I, I connect with that one. I've got five kids, so like there, there there's um, it, it kind of goes in circles around the houses, and we've all had the ultimate never-ending head cold. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That time of year, but spring is around the corner. The, the, I know the leaves exactly. are on the trees and the flowers are budding, and, and you just need some good sleep and, and <laughs> a lot more vitamin C. Oh, jeez. Well, last night. So the, the, uh, Buddy come home with my wife from hospital sort of late-ish afternoon yesterday. Um, and he hasn't been sleeping after like literally mm. five minutes every few hours. And he's been like for days and days. So my wife hasn't been sleeping either. So it was a case of, right, you go to bed. I've got this covered. You need to go and sleep. I've got this covered. Little did I know, quarter past five this morning, I'd still be awake rocking a uh, crying baby um, only to have to go to the studio this morning for 9am 9, 9 as well so I've been in the studio all day as well and it's, you it's, mean it's, yeah. for Bloasis? <laughs> no Oasis <laughs> yeah so yeah. if you're, this is the first time you're listening Craig is on the bucket list of bucket list he is in Wales normally he's in France he's in Wales and he's playing music with the drummer from Oasis in the original studio that it was all recorded in, am I right? Exactly, exactly, yes, yes. So it's, it's, it's pretty special, and we're, 
yeah, we've been doing other stuff as well. So it's 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 been really good. But um, yeah, it's it's not a nice place to be in the studio where you need to have a shit every 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 thirty <laughs> oh, minutes in the middle just, of a take. You know. Well, you know good. what? You you could probably go into some fantastic spin where you're 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 on the verge of like a hallucinogenic sort of situation yeah. from dehydration and lack yeah. of sleep, and probably come up with the ultimate masterpiece. Well, who knows? <laughs> who knows? I'm sure what we did today, most of that wasn't usable. But yeah, anyway, that that's been my week. Does the drummer know you're sick oh they all know i'm sick yes yeah oh, yeah man. so i've been in a booth away from everybody too because nobody else wants to get sick so oh, i'm in this little tiny booth like a soundproof booth oh it's, it's just yeah oh god like you're hotboxing yourself you're fucking farting your sick farts in no, there no 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 but believe me i'm not trusting a fart at the moment <laughs> i do not trust a fart <laughs> <laughs> oh god that's a f- oh my god there's a title that- do never trust a fart there's a title for so this which what f- other f- in Rockfield what other famous artists you think got locked up in there in that little booth <laughs> probably um, some sort of illness probably like you know like like keith richards with syphilis or something like that you know <laughs> i'm sure that's happened yeah um yeah i mean everybody's recorded there so it, yeah it's steeped in history and um i'm leaving um <laughs> I'm leaving my stain on the place too. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! The Lockwood DNA is somewhere in there. Exactly. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Missed the bowl and you know carpeted bathroom floors. You never know, right? Yeah. People. People always say when they walk in, if these walls could talk, like, if oh, these God. walls could sniff. Believe me. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. oh, wow. Enough. Enough about me, Jeff. What's been going on? You're not going to believe this, but I was sick this weekend. I am mm. fucking sick too. So yeah. this, this, uh, I don't know what happened. I picked something up somewhere. Maybe it was when I was down at the Center for Mental Arts or whatever, but I had some sort of like, I was down on Saturday. I, I worked 12 days straight and then I just like crashed and I was like not feeling well. So I'm kind of congested. And other than that, just talking to Fingal, um, we're in this really amazing place. The first time Fader Knives has completely caught up on all of our custom orders i have one that just to an easy nothing to write home about one i mean not when i say that i mean like you know one you know not, not a big deal and um we're starting to really amp up production in 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 regards to having stuff in stock david's been great and we've just been taking on way more than we you know normally we would have had you know a certain amount per month of custom orders, mm. and then I would just always add like even back you know almost a year ago I'd add five more on, and then we just caught up and now we're 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 keeping the same pace and then putting them on the website. So I was telling Fingal we have like as of now we probably have fifty knives in stock. Oh which wow, is wow, crazy! Yeah, so all sorts of different things, and I'm just trying new stuff and I'm just letting things go where they go and. We're writing newsletters and we're putting them up, and it's just kind of neat. And are you, um, are you finding it really freeing now, being able to do what you want? I've noticed mm. that, like, even the stuff you put out this week is to be, you know, colorful and slightly different to your normal stuff. Well, um, I don't know. I mean, it's weird because I've always, you know, a lot of knife makers talk about don't take, you know, don't take deposits or don't take money before you make the thing. Mm. And so I had to really think about not feeling like you know, depressed, like you take the money and then after a couple months, there's, you know, nothing. And I really like the idea of not having to steal from Peter to pay Paul. You know, Mm -hmm. that is one thing you just, it's one of those things. And in order to keep going, in order to get to where we are getting, you had to, we had to take money up front. Um, 
freeing. Yeah. I mean, we able to do some things that I wouldn't normally do. Like uh, this past week I got to the shop and I was talking to my business partner, Tony. He's just like, yeah, why don't you forge some things? We'll put some forge stuff on the website. So I spent all day Monday forging some knives out and we're going to get those out neck for next week. And we're just trying to think, you know, 10 to 15 knives a week. And it's been good. It's been good. It's been, um, you know, it's been weird too, because I don't know. I was, Fringle and I were talking about this. I was talking to Tomer a little bit. March is a weird month. And I've been, mm. we've been noticing and talking to a few people that, you know, January and February are good. And March is kind of like tapering off. Something's going on. So, you know, you get a little bit worried, but, you know, you think about how you were since last year. And, you know, this is, this is, this is business, you yeah. know? Yeah, don't worry. All the chocolate's going to kick in now, and and uh, after Easter, <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> sugar Let's buzz hope. will ride the sugar buzz the wave. Well, yeah, Finkel, how have you been? What's been going on with you? Good. I've been. Um, so we were kind of doing some renovations on a sort of a, what was the old glass house, a conservatory part of the house, which was like a badly built a long, long time ago, and it was always too cold and wet in winter, and it was too hot in summer. Mm. And uh, so we kind of whipped the old glass off the roof and I put on this sort of a clad uh, double seam kind of roof onto it. And some lovely friends are down, some electricians are down at the moment. We're putting some lights up. And so the next thing around the corner is to sort of use this as our sort of a, my, the clean workshop. Oh, nice. So um, the whole idea is that the original workshop that I've always kind of been working at it for, for so long, shared with pigs and chickens and, <laughs> and the sounds of calves in the background and, and rumblings of tractors. That's still going to be like the, the, the main dusty kind of crazy workshop and then all the heat treating equipment. So I'm going to clear out a lot of the things I know um, would benefit and all the storage side of things I'll bring down to this new space. And then bit by bit, I'm just going to differentiate between I want to avoid that yo-yoing effect of sort of like, you know, like, you know, if you leave something on the other side of the room, you know, you, have, you just go over and get it. Whereas yeah. I don't want to have to do two things with a job and then regret it and have to go back to the other workshop just to grind something down. And then I don't need to have two of everything in the way of tools. So I'm kind of, yeah, it'll, it'll be an interesting thing to have two spaces. Mm. And largely I'm seeing this new space as a sort of um, a, a kind of a, a more dust-free or better better um, extracted and probably more of a, a better storage area for all the precision and fine stuff. Yeah, I was and wondering then, uh, what, what kind of operations will you do there to differentiate between the two? I think in principle, heat treating is, is one of the main things I can do down below. Storage of belts, materials, prep. So I'll lay out all the blades, lay out all the materials, assemble what I plan to do, um, get everything kind of ready, make, make bolsters up and sort of do all the kind of mini milling and, and, and all that kind of information. Um, mm. Plan that kind of side of things and then glue and assemble. And as soon as the, the knives are all glued, <clears throat> take them up to the other workshop and then it's basically get them down to shape and have them sort of ready to bring back down and probably finish and sharpen and etch and everything back down to the other one so what i'll be doing is sort of like prepping handle material in in the in the original workshop the dusty one if you imagine that will be very much prepping handle materials grinding down blades grinding down handles um so yeah basically, basically the one where you need earmuffs and, and dust masks for everything is one space and the other one's yeah. the um i can and the fun thing is i might put a good couch in there and let kids come in and have projects for them whereas i couldn't have done that before you know so i i i kind of yeah i'm looking forward to it but i think baby steps and slowly move things and don't overthink it just know that i now have a, an area for storage and if i eventually bring everything down there then i will but yeah it's my my, my initial thought is to do it this way Gotcha, I like your, gotcha. I like your shipping area. I've seen pictures of you sitting on the. I think it's your kitchen with this big table with these big beautiful glass windows, and you're doing oh, your yeah, drawings kitchen, yeah. and wrapping them up. It's like it's like literally, it's like out of 
Oh, that's a pair of home magazine. Yeah, I think the funny thing is you, you tend to spread out, you know, in some ways. When you have a tiny workshop, you know, you bring your work home with you, you know. So mm. the knives that are finished, I store at home. The knives that I, I'm kind of wrapping and sending out, I'm doing after the kids are in bed and sort of wrapping it there. And it's great. You know, that's that's the glass of wine in hand and it's the, the take time. And I think that's one of, the, like I've kind of said this before, that, that the, the the workload of wrapping a knife is actually quite large, especially when you're doing, if you if I do the batches like I am now and selling them, monthly you realize you know that it's actually a whole day if not two days to wrap up 20 or 30 knives um or the best part of those two days but that's the stuff that really makes a difference you know the 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 packaging and the personalization like you do with your watercolors and and um and those little details and it's something i'll never walk away from as much as i I want to (laughs) yeah Yeah, so, you you do a great job. You have, you have like the, it's almost like a canvas, like a canvas that you would hmm. paint on and you wrap it up with like butcher twine and you get a little drawing in there. I still have all the drawing and stuff yeah. that you did. It's it's really, really nice. I think they all they all came, every little addition, like the layers of, of, of past the parcel that this is with the knife being in the middle, you know, the butcher's paper. I was very glad with that. That was a, a sort of a little tweak and I think everybody should do it the origami element of I just use butcher's paper so there's this right. kind of jump between knife making and, and butchering for me so I actually kind of I wrap up the knife but it looks like a salami at the end of it which is kind of right. funny in its own way but one of the things I would say that everybody out there should be trying to do if you get butcher's paper and you fold it over 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 so it's a long thin folded over piece of paper and you wrap that uh, you know, put the the knife edge into that and you wrap it around it if you actually then wrap that up again you know it's the safest package in the world it's not going to puncture any um any parcels that come through the other end you're not having to buy anything it's all recyclable it's so mm. simple and it's just at your fingertips it's just a clever bit of origami in the end um and you know i think that was the, one of those elements then afterwards like i said the butcher's paper and the the crepe paper and you know i'm i'm, I'm yeah i am taking the piss now there's f's on everything <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yeah. but hey you know why not you know that's it's the, that's the yeah thing. So is this now a completely full time? Are you still involved in the farm and then in the food production? Oh, I'm more, more, more busy than ever with the farm. I've actually found myself. Right. Yeah, I mean, my my parents have definitely passed over, passed on the, the the more of the cheese side of things than ever. So I'm I'm running the with with everybody else. So by the way, don't get me wrong. There's 20 people to make Gabine happen, and I think I kind of wake up in the morning, do the kids stuff, and then go straight to the smokehouse and the dairy and. Um, and more or less go through everything. And so I try and deal and, and get on top of everything in the mornings. And then if I'm lucky and no one's missing and nothing's broken, I get the afternoons in the workshop. Yeah. So it's a 50-50 thing. Um, but, you know, some days, like I said, you, you might not get an entire, you could probably get a couple of hours in a week making knives. And other times I can be very lucky and spend a lot of time in, in the workshop. But you know what? They all, they're all intertwined now. And I think what's grateful is I've never been given a hard time for making knives. Um, you know, people kind of see the intertwined connection between right. the food, the knives, the farm. And my dad especially, he, um, he loves a fully decked out workshop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it, for somebody who needs to fix a machine, he's suddenly, hmm. you know, for somebody of a, of a certain age and respects to probably only ever own device grips um, and tech screws, um, you know, he, he's found how to use Dremel tools. And, and battery Don't mention power. the Dremel, Dremel on this show. Don't mention uh-huh. Dremel. Well, you know what I'm talking about. The, oh, I have the same one as you. What were we talking about? What is the name of it? The... The the flex the flexi flexi shaft. The, flex? uh, f- you're talking about the Fordham. Fordham, thank you. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I'm, I'm I'm more of a Fordham man. Yeah. There you go. Not right. me. If if you ain't Dremelin, 
With three. <laughs> if you don't you have three Dremels, you ain't Dremeling. Yeah. yeah, that's right. You don't have three. <laughs> yeah, with do that you, said... Do you, ever, do, you ever, do you ever use the third hand for, for your Dremeling? Yeah, third hand, third input. <laughs> I mean, I the, the Dremel wedge between your thighs. I you always want to say, I, I'm, I, when, you know, when I look like I'm skiing with the propeller coming out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> and with that said, Craig... What's this podcast sponsored by? <laughs> <laughs> Wondered where we were going there. Um, even heat. We all use even heat. If you're going to do make any sort of heat treating with a knife, you need the best stuff. Even heat is the one to go to. Um, Evenheat-kiln.com. Go and take a look. See what they've got. Um, they've got a full range. Whether it's your, your first kiln and you're just starting out, they've got small units. To They'll even make you a custom one if you need be. They've got everything. Uh, Evenheat-kiln.com. Go take a look. Big supporters of the show, too. We love those guys. Family-run business. It's, it's a great place. Before we get into it, we have a little bit of kind of business to take care of. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I, I thought I'll just kind of do that. Number one is our friend uh, 118 Blades. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, he's a huge supporter of this podcast and other podcasts. He is uh, – it's Mark – uh, market 118 blades he's got to go fund me for his wife and he's huge part of the maker community and he's got a his wife is not doing so hot and she they're raising some money for her treatment so if you could do me a favor because we all you know we do enough around here you could do something i'm talking to you the listener go over to 118 blades and go check out his gofundme and i'm sure mark would really appreciate your support uh, he's a great guy, a big follower of this podcast and, and work for a podcast. He's a very involved in the maker community, a great guy, and he's looking for some help. So uh, 118 Blades, got to go find me, go check him out. Will there be links <clears> up <throat> as well on Instagram or anything like that? There's a link on his Instagram. Okay. So 118 Blades, there's a link there, and you can get that uh, squared away. The next thing is, is I want to clear up something. Uh, we mentioned this earlier uh, in the number of podcasts. There is a co- there's a competition. It's called the Blade and Edge competition, and D- uh, Dorian's doing a great job. It's um, it's his event. Uh, it's, if you want to get more information, go follow Broken underscore Tower underscore Culinary. And I'm just going to read you the name of this competition that Mareko and Craig and I will be uh, the judges of. I've gotten a few messages, people wondering if is this real? Is it fake? It is 100% real. He has a he has a uh, private uh, Facebook group, and you can join there. But I'm going to read to you what this event is. The Blade and Edge competition has been announced, and it's a great opportunity for you to show off your skills. This year's theme is the final frontier. So get creative. We're judging entries based on originality and execution of design. If you're at least 18 years old and live in the United States or Canada, you're eligible to participate. Sorry, guys. You two are out. Uh, here's a quick rundown of what you need to know. You, will, uh, you, have to, you have until April 30th to submit your work. Winners will be revealed by the end of May or early June. The entry fee is 10 bucks, and all the profits the entry fee go straight to Feeding America Charity. When submitting your entry, be sure to include three high-quality photos of your finished knife. And I'm writing, without your face in them. Don't put your face in them. Don't put your hands in them. Do the whole knife. Nice. We can judge them. I don't want to judge your, your, your beard, for Christ's sakes. Uh, three pieces, uh, uh, three work-in-progress photos featuring you with the knife and a short video, two minutes max, introducing your knife. You'll find the link to the submission page in our sh- 
You'll find the link in their submission page if you go to broken underscore tower underscore culinary. To enter, click, click through the submissions page on their show notes, not Knife Talk show notes, and then click the submit button. You'll be guided through a submission process and asked to provide the images and video of your knife. Then you pay the entry and fee and you're in. So here's what I'm going to tell you. Go to underscore, go to broken underscore tower underscore culinary. And that's where you're going to get all the information for this event. Okay? So get yourself squared away with that. And that's it. And that's all the business we have to attend to. So Cool. Admin done. Oh, okay, let's do some questions, shall we? It's sort we of have great questions. We have also sort great why me, why me, why does this always happen to me? We have also great listener feedback. And we want to do a little bit of an in-depth dive on Damasteel with our friend Fingal. So We do. We do. We've got some exciting news for Dharma Steel fans out there too. Mm. Um, first off, question from Jake, um, the Canton Cutler, who is only about two or three miles from me, where I am at the moment. Right. Getting on. sick, anyway. getting sick by the moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's contagious. Come on, Jake. Jake, Jake yeah. you want to take a couple of days off of work? <laughs> give a give old Glockwood a shake. Go exactly. check out that. Give him a if shake. He comes hand. up to your doors. Yeah, you're looking for the crapper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Don't shake that, Jake. Right. Oh. Hey, KTP. After much consideration, I've gone and bought myself a mill uh, with the sole purpose uh, uh, for now of milling out slots for half guards on belt knives. I've bought a 4mm carbide end mill, a chuck and a chuck holder, uh, plus a table clamp. Ooh! Mm. Can Jeff hit me with some simple hot tips? I've never milled, and I've got a batch order of 10 knives that relies on me mastering this process. <laughs> Jeez. Thanks again. I've listened to every single episode, and it's still a weekly highlight. Uh, thank you, Jake. So Jake is the Canton Cutler on Instagram, um, and he's got this question to us via Instagram. We are Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. If you've got a question, sling it over. I think Fingal should start in, because Fingal is the master of the slot. Oh, <laughs> the slot. How's the slot? How's the slot? How's the slot? With that do, on. Do you know, <laughs> hey, Fingal, how's the slot? Do you know what? Do you know what's kind of interesting is that I, I've I've always been a fan of big boy toys and and I right. love the workshop tours and seeing everybody having their fantastic gadgets and I'm very close to um, to a wonderful um, or a couple of, of of friends who have good workshops and I can go out and use their ones but I have a very high speed mini mill that I kind of use. Now, I, I don't know if the word mini mill is the right one because I've seen these very petty ones, the small ones, the high speed. It's like a Dremel with a, with a very crappy little bed on it. They're, right. they're a pain in the ass. Um, my one's sort of more mid-ground. It, co- it costs probably a little bit more than a thousand euros, nearly two with all the, 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 the gigs that come into it. But what happens is that it's, it really doesn't do anything metal. Uh, what I find is the high speeds it is just purely and utterly designed for working with G10 and my Carters and, and, you know, you can pull off a lot of things in relation to just making really good slots and, and precise, you know, with a two, two and a half mil burr and, and, and bits. But I don't know. I, I, I can't do anything with metal, but I have become a master of the old itchy stuff, you know, carbon fibers mm. and G10s. Right. And they, it makes life so much easier. Now I, I've, I've kind of, got two things going on there's a friend nearby like i mentioned who's got a fantastic workspace i give him large slabs of of carbon fiber and he runs the the mills in there with a cnc powered machine that does a, a most incredible slot and what i have is the the ability to to tweak it now so if if my blade is bigger than two and a half mil i can just put the next size up and and change it and tweak it but um overall i I think that that's all I kind of do with them. I think literally it's just that that sort of um, high spill, high high speed 
stuff and I'd love to work more with metal and I have found that if I tried even doing something with nickel silver they still wander and they still kind of go offline and and you, you really do need to invest heavily in a good mill to um to actually pull off very efficient and kind of good clean work um if you if you're talking about metal um so I think yeah I'd nearly say save your money if you're thinking of just getting a cheap dinky one to play around with um and actually find somebody who actually does have the toys and get a relationship with them and then you know and then take it from there to find the boundaries of of you know what you actually want to achieve and pull off but i think yeah is a four millimeter is that for like so so that's bigger because i'm i'm assuming because i have the you have but smaller like i got a small milling machine which i love i love it but when you mean small like it's it's Oh, I can't even, what, it's a tabletop. It's a table. Yeah. It's a tabletop. It's a desktop. It's a desktop milling milling machine. Yeah. It looks like a drill Same press. Here. Yeah, but it's got an yeah. access on the on the table. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. And the, I'm assuming that's what he wants, right? Is I don't know how big how big is four millimeters? Is that like quarter four of an mil? Inch? What was what was mentioned as four mil? You got a four uh, mil. You got a four mil uh, carbide bit. end mill. He's using right. an end mill. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I would I think, think he's doing just for. I think I would think he's just doing slots. Maybe he's probably doing brass or something. For a for a for a belt knife. Yeah, I mean four four mil is is a. I mean that's a big enough. I mean if you know if you think of the steel and stuff, that sounds like unless you're doing kind of hunter knives and stuff like it. Probably like some of the chef knives would be thinner than that. Do you know? I, I've just not had much luck myself, and I think that I'm very interested to hear kind of um, you know Craig's approach to to sort of what you can pull off with the computer with the much more precise, tiny incremental drops, and actually patience. You can do probably amazing yeah. things. And if you're an absolute lummox of a bull in a china shop like me, you snap bits left, right, and center, and just charging into things or sneeze, and you kind of you're breaking your bits by by just you know speeds and feeds, you know all this kind of stuff is interesting. But I'm too lazy to learn about computers, and I Me like too. playing with it. It's like old fashioned. Remember those um the the arcade computer games where you kind of sat opposite sides of you know somebody <laughs> with old Tetris kind of yeah exactly yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of yeah. it's a funny kind of rub your rub your your stomach and pat your head kind of element of working. And I keep I have literally used Tipex. On, on on my controls to kind of do forwards and, and backwards to make sure I don't go in the opposite direction, which painfully <laughs> <laughs> can happen every so often. I, I There is fun in, in, in machining, and I'd love to learn more about it um, uh, on that kind of side of things. But I, I, I think some of the best toys, I mean, I'd, you know, we don't have the same repertoire to or access to, I think, secondhand public machine unless you really know what you're looking for. You get very lucky over this side of the world. Mm. For for Jake, my suggestion would be is just get comfortable with one direction. You know, if you're doing slots, because I just looked up four millimeters is like around, just around a little bit bigger than an eighth of an inch. Which is mm, yeah. all right. So you're he's talking about slotting for a table for you know like um, <clears throat> maybe it's a little bit more closer to like three sixteenths or something. Like that. I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get inundated. Something like that. Don't worry, guys. It's under a quarter of an inch. So I would suggest not worrying about backwards and forwards and left and right just once i'm um, for slots all i do is i'll get a little square that's bigger than i need and then i'll make a cross section between the the sides i'll make i like and then i'll just figure out exactly how much i need the most important thing is, is you don't want to overcut your material bigger than the knife like if you want to have yourself like a ledge so when it drops in it's nice and tight so i started to make sure that my 
bits were almost on the money or a little bit smaller than the material, and then I would just hit it with a little file just to kind of get it in. Or mm. you can undercut behind your tang. If you're dropping your tang in, you can just kind of undercut your tang so when it fits through the slot, you know, it's a very nice connection. That, mm. That's kind of key. But I would try to keep it as simple as possible. I went for simple as possible and then also do passes. Don't try to fucking oink it all in one one pass whatever your material you're using mm. like i'm the past king and then my only thing is i wish i had like a tiny little uh vacuum cleaner that would suck away the chips you know not blow them everywhere just like suck it away so i can make i see my lines and i'm just using one access and then i'm just going past and lower past a little lower and i've started to really enjoy it just by keeping it as simple as possible I love mm. that milling machine. Like, I could sit mm. there and I could mill fucking, like, little tiles all goddamn day long. I'd be thrilled. Yeah, yeah. Well, I suppose the next step up from something like that is one of the old school sort of mills that would have, like, yeah. a power feed on them. Um, so not quite a CNC machine. You're still setting up everything manually, um, but it would it, you, you'd set your speed um, for the for the movement, and obviously you set your speed for the rotation anyway. Um but yeah, I mean, like Fingal mentioned, you know, it's CNC in them. Um, I mean, my CNC is probably about probably about two and a half grand, um, and there's no way I'd ever use it for steel. No way in the world. Um, I've used it for copper um, and brass. We've got to be so so slow. And I'm talking some of these. Some of these metals are very sticky as well with the burrs and things like that. And you learn exactly, yeah, particularly brass actually, yeah. Mm. And I think yeah, slow and steady is the way. You know, super 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 small passes. Um, and just let it take its time. I mean, the great thing about using CNC is we, we let it take its time. You can go and do something else. Um, but, um, yeah, if you've got just one of these sort of standard, almost drill press mills um, where you're doing everything manually, you're going to have a very, very hard time cutting any sort of metal, really. Um, but, you know, if, if, you've, if you want to get into CNC and you never have, you know where you should go? Knifeprint.com. Knifeprint.com. Um, great. It's, it's basically CNC in a browser. So rather than download any sort of really expensive CNC software you need licensing for, do it all in the browser. Super, super simple. You can save your designs and all the rest of it. The best thing about it is they've got special tools specific for designing knives and knife parts, whatever it may be you need. Um, they're great. Knifeprint.com. And once you're done, you just hit print. Pick the steel that you need. You want cut. Um, the thickness and all the rest of it, and they'll do it for you. They'll get it either water jet cut or laser cut, and they'll ship it out to you. Um, so, yes, yeah, so if you've never done any sort of CNC before, knifeprint.com is a great place because they've got an educational center there as well with little sort of lots of videos to show you how to do it. Much, much simpler than you think. Um, so anybody going the CNC route, if you've never done it before, knifeprint.com is a, is a great start. I've, I've Speaking just of website now, go ahead. Is the version two? Is the is the software up and running? The new the new version. It of the is. Microsoft? It is. There was a That's delay in getting version two up. Mm. Yeah, it's up, up and running. So yeah, if you haven't used it before, or even if you have used it before, it's all new. Go and take a look. Um, it's it's a father and son doing that project, and um, they're doing a really good job. Last but not least, in regards to milling, you know who does an incredible job without really, I mean, without very little, is uh, our friend Ben Camon. Come on, knives. He does mm -hmm. the butt caps and the bolsters. It's like 
it's very small. I mean, he doesn't even have a mill. He has like a very expensive drill press and he just kind of like makes it happen. But the precision oh, wow. that he gets, he, the precision that he gets with all those butt caps and, and, and uh, bolsters is extraordinary. And he's got very little, very little in terms of uh, milling experience. But, mm. you know. Can't but he's him. a master of what he, what he achieves with that. He's a funny guy work. too. Mm. I'll yeah, tell you what's funny about funny. I'll tell you what's funny about him. Ben is a, I mean, he's a very, when you, when you see his work, it's hard not to take him very seriously. You know, it's like you would just, you take him seriously, but he wants to fuck around. So he wants to come on to full blast. He wants to fuck around. And it's like, it's hilarious <laughs> because he's, he's just a great guy. He's funny, but he, we're going to, he wants to come on with Ben Snort. So I'm going to have the tale of two Ben's at some point. They <laughs> want to just fuck amazing. Hey, I'll, I'll these tune guys in just, for that one for sure. Yeah. Ben wants to fuck around. Ben, Ben is a, he's a serious guy. He doesn't want to fuck around. So it's funny. Cool. So whatever you want to do, Craig. Um, let, well, you take the next question, and um, maybe <clears throat> not the next one, because it was quite linked to that first one. Uh, maybe take Butch's. Uh, Okie doke. So Butch Sullivan, our good friend Butch Sullivan out of Philadelphia. Uh, hey, guys, I have a dilemma. I've been asked by a friend who manages a restaurant group to make a knife for one of their chefs, as they are a James Beard Award finalist. Super stoked, of course. But I've been given a budget that it's on the lower side. Do I take the hit and give them what I want? Uh, or do I take the hit and give them what I want, which is some pattern welded steel, something awesome, or should I make them a beautiful mono steel knife? What do you do? So you got the, you got the, these motherfuckers, they're, the, they're, ne- they're always the same. I, you know, they're going to probably, I'm going to just imagine what they're going to call. They're going to contact Butch and say, oh, Butch, we know you're a big Philly guy, and we're going to be representing this james beard award winner and it's going to be a big deal for you and we want to honor you with the ability to make this knife for this fucking guy and blah 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 blah, blah. you got 300 dollars to work with that's what it's going to be that's what it's going to be you know we want something really really special this has got to mean something really special 150 dollars is all you got never fucking fails Hmm. I don't know. I mean, I'll, I'll, I've, there's so many friends I've made knives for, but if I don't know them or there's none of that kind of connection in any kind of way, that that's a pain, more painful pill to swallow, and and I probably haven't gone down that road. You know, I, but I think when if this chef is a friend and there's other connections, and you know that it, it might be mutually beneficial to have have your knife in the hand but i think the other thing is is that will it be in his hand you know you know you can often do these and you never see them again i mean there's definitely a few celebrities that have you know uh, that i've that probably even somebody bought a knife for them um through me or things like that have happened and you never see them again i think the um there are all these risks in the whole process you know you might think that it guarantees something and it, it won't at all it's, it's just gone so um it's what you're willing to 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 do and if you just look up or, or like or a friend with the chef in any way then let that be the more important part of this mm. what do you think craig yeah i think you know what do you want out of this um what what's the best possible solution um if you know if this guy is going to be on tv telling everybody telling the world about your your knife um maybe there's there's something to that but the likelihood is Again, you're never going to see that knife again, and um, make something beautiful with a model steel knife. Um, yeah, show off your talents, what you can do within that budget. I think, yeah, I, I when I first started, I thought a route would be to contact you know celebrity chefs and get them using my knives. That and and it, it doesn't really pan out that way. It really doesn't. Um, so yeah, do what you can for that budget, and um, I'm sure you can make something great. <coughs> 
you always can make something and it'll be a great it'll, a, a, the, sometimes the picture is worth more than the actual knife like if you get a great picture and it's in your portfolio like sometimes to me like i don't get caught up with these knives because if i get a good picture and i and the picture helps sell their knives then that's fine with me no 100 um mm. i i the the tv thing is weird it's a hit or miss like the like the times in uh i've re- I, I get like the jacques papin knives are made for jacques papin i always usually get a couple hits from that and then another one from america's test kitchen i get a lot of, from that but i have had stuff from on other chefs and it's like you think that it's going to mean something and it normally doesn't so i i would it would be hard to say you know you need a direct you know, you, you, I can, you can get guaranteed direct sales from it. But if you want to make them, if you, if you, you know, if it's just about the steel and you want to do Damascus instead of, you know, not a steel, what's the big deal? But I, you know, I would think about it and be like, yeah, what the fuck? Just do it. But yeah. then I'd be like, you know what? Fuck this guy. You know what I mean? He's just a cheesesteak guy. You never, you know, it's a, it's a tough one. Yeah. I mean, look at Fingal. Fingal had a Jamie Oliver. A Jamie Oliver called him Fungal. Remember that? But so does so does the rest of the world. <laughs> but do you remember that whole thing? He did this beautiful event. Oh, my friend, my dear friend, made this oyster knife. You'd made him, yeah. My yeah. dear friend, Fungal well, that's, Ferguson. That's my, fault. that's my fault for having a stupid name. No, well, they're, they're, I mean, I've been in the UK, uh, I mean, even the nickname for the, the, the this podcast is done for something stupid. So, like, the, but yeah, no, I think getting names wrong. But it's yeah. Do, do you know what? I, one of the things I feel like has always helped me is I've actually done so much in the food world that i've been at barbecue events and cooking things and actually to rock up and be the person who has the whetstones and the spare knives um and actually other people see your knives there that that stepping stone is you know is probably one of the best ways if you can find yourselves to volunteer or or be at least part of you know food events in any form or way where there are other professional knife guys the feedback from those events is incredible and still to this day i'm constantly learning and changing my mind due to feedback from working side by side by people because you know you'll often find people in a short period of time telling you what you want to hear but after three hours of working next to somebody and after a couple of beers and you know you'll get a little bit more information and you know that exposure of well of uh, you know at the time of actually having your knives in hands you know they, they are that's that's definitely worth so much to you if you can get into any form of way of 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 doing some kind of big food event um then jet mm. get in there just because this guy's a James Beard guy doesn't mean he he knows what the fuck he's talking about with comes. He won't put it in the dishwasher anyway. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, those guys yeah. are just as worse as bad as everybody. You know, there's just because they know how to cook doesn't mean they know how to do everything. So, yeah. make them a monosteel knife, you know, or do whatever you want. I, honestly, I don't think you can lose because you make beautiful. Butch makes beautiful knives. Heart of Philly. But I mean, he makes beautiful knives. People, people, actually, but the eye of the beholder. I mean, a, a, yeah. a cleaner, more beautiful monosteel knife with certain subtleties about it can actually suit a certain personality more than um, a blinged up, over the top, um, yeah. over the top knife. So I, it's actually probably casing out the personality of the person you're making it for. Maybe that person wants to have something more subtle and and sexier than um, than than all blinged out. So probably just. Do you remember that film Chocolat, that the movie where mm. the, the, the when somebody walks into the shop, the lady behind the counter could tell straight away about what that person was craving or wanting. Yeah, and I think that that skill that develops over time of actually finding out that you know that person looks a little bit more like somebody who's going to use my Japanese knife to to split a T-bone, you know. Right. <laughs> you have to read that. You have to read the person. Well, that, you know that reminds me. A couple of year, number of years ago, the Culinary Institute of America 
asked me to make a knife for this chef who just had this new book out. He's a kind of big time guy in the United States. And I was like, I had an idea and I was just like, you know what? I'm going to make it a little extra special. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Let this guy get something special. And I made it special. I never, you know, I never heard of, I I mean, they, we had to hunt him down to pay. We had to hunt the Culinary Institute of America to pay. But then it, it went, it was like, it was not appreciated the way I expected it. And that's the other thing. Mm. Your expectations of what you're going to get back yeah. are yeah. usually unreasonable to the, to the, to the fact of usually people are on the uh, ruder side. Not ruder side, but just not as polite as you expect. No, a, g- so. a gift through a corporation like that can slightly be taken for granted. I can sort of almost right. see that more right. so than, than from, a, from a close friend. Right. Mm. And it's well, funny, if, it was... if you look at your own favorite knives at home, your, your most beautiful knife that you use all the time, you know, the, the knives that were, have been given to you and have an emotional connection, no matter what, you will subconsciously reach for that so much more oh, than yeah. you would probably yeah, yeah. reach for anything else. If you've bought the knife as a something for yourself even that alone can be can be enough of a trigger but but at the same time those emotional you know connections um are important yeah Fingal ferguson the emotional connections unbelievable <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> look i want to take this next question really quickly um just to sort of pique my interest a bit um uh jh knife shop has said i just got in my first laser uh, which is a 20 watt diode laser I plan to use it for adding a maker's mark to my knives, uh, cutting out my leather sheaves and maybe etching patterns into the leather. Um, I have a setup and run a six-inch exhaust for it. Do you guys have any advice for a knife maker with a laser? Any cool projects you suggest? I plan on making some leather strops and adding my logo to the wood backing. Um, but it's a diode laser, so it's not going to do anything with steel whatsoever. Um, you mean it's not going to mark steel? Not even mark steel. You may... Anodized aluminium, possibly. That's as far as you're going to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, you're talking about using for leather anyway. Um, a 20 watt diode probably wouldn't cut leather. It would mark it very nicely. Um, so it may, you may be able to use it with with your CNC software to mark out your leather, um, and then and then cut it in the, in the usual way. Uh, but I can't see it cutting. Um, Are you saying that this poor guy told us what he wants to do? And you're telling him he cannot mark his knives with a 20 watt laser. 20 watt laser. Possibly, possibly. I mean, 20 watt diode laser is seventy, eighty dollars, ninety dollars. You know, it's 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 not a, a high end laser, but but it will definitely mark leather and paper and and, and all that kind of stuff without a doubt. Well, with um, the right with the right tuning, can you control the depth at which you mark that as well? You can. So you focus the laser. Um, yeah. So um, the, the basically what you're doing, you're intensifying the laser on, on one particular part then. And just like with, with, a, with a CNC mill or anything, you, you've, got, you've got feed speeds. You've got, you've got the power of the laser and you use various feed speeds and so on. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, you're going to struggle to cut. Um, but, but as you said, you, you're looking to put your mark, maker's mark um, on leather sheaths and that. So it will work. Uh, but with regards to a tip is whatever software you're using, and guaranteed, it's going to be shit software. That all of these lasers come with the worst sort of Chinese software that's just all over the place. It doesn't do what you want it to do. It crashes all the time. Um, but make sure that the source image that you're using um, isn't a like a rasterized image, like a JPEG or anything like that. Make sure it's something like an SVG, um, which you can scale up and it's not going to lose any of the resolution. Um, I see so many people using just like JPEG images and then moaning about that the, the image isn't crisp. Mm. Um, use use um, something like an SVG or an Illustrator file 
um, something which which you can blow up big and it's not and it's not going to sort of pixelate if you like. Um, but yeah, but then but then it should be good. But um, good luck because yeah, generally laser cutting software is a bitch. Yeah, there's a is good there one that you like? Garden... Sorry, is there Sorry, one no. that you like? Um, no, not really. Um, I use the one that came with my laser and it's, it's just the worst. And anybody who's got a laser will tell you exactly the same thing. There are, there are software like light burn and things like that, but they're, they're generally for quite specific lasers. Um, and most people are buying cheaper Chinese lasers and you, you won't be able to use the better software for it. So you're pretty much stuck with the software that it comes with. There's a close friend of mine called Garvin de Brewer. He's he's the guy who is behind and the most amazing leather work. What mm. he can do with his hands is incredible. His workshop hey, is stunning. He lives for it, and he he actually was one of the ones telling me about a lot of what he he finds capable with his laser, which every so often would break for him or do different things. And he's a guy who fixes it for him. But uh, he has these amazing projects. Um, I think one of them is the big horse. Um, race course kind of in his and he, he did these giant things where the walls are almost entirely tiled with leather work and he has probably used the laser to, to almost emboss and create a map almost on the side they said the smell in the oh, building wow. alone is stunning that smell of leather but mm. the um, the outline and everything and the first thing that comes to mind with all these this kind of laser engraving on leather is probably the size of your bed I mean if you think about it it's like how big an area can you actually work within and what are your limitations in that respect but um yeah the the i think the the yeah i'm i'm i think that the more you delve into it if you have that ability they are capable of so much nowadays um but yeah i i think the sense of scale is is something kind of interesting as well if, the, if you're talking about the the tiny little burner that's really just good for doing a beer mat <laughs> you know yeah yeah you're limiting yourself yeah, and a lot of these sort of these small diode lasers, you can get them to sort of almost clip on. If you've got a bigger CNC machine, a mill or whatever, they they can clip onto those, so you can like exchange the head for instead of a milling head, you can put a little small laser head on. Okay. Um, and you can use software to tile what you want. So you you'll tell the software that you, you, your bed may be, I don't know, thirty six inches by twenty four, and if your image is bigger, it'll tile it automatically for you and put these little registration marks. So as long as you put the next bit on exactly the same place, it will continue that image. Um, but yeah, yeah, with a twenty watt diode, you, you, this is probably a bit more advanced, a bit more advanced than that. Um, but again, yeah, I mean, you've also already mentioned about using exhaust. Um, make sure you're, you're exhausting those fumes out. Um, because yeah, it it can be pretty disgusting. What are the more disgusting. dangerous sort of fumes that you want to avoid? I mean, if you're working with micarters and any of these kind of things, or, or is it yeah, micarters and and plastics, and you'll see it's just a thick black smoke that will come out, um, and it's not good. And I and I've tried to use uh, my laser for um, sheaths, um, and again, it's it's just not not nice at all. Just make sure everything is exhausted um, and keep that lens clean as well because that black smoke will cover up the lens and all of a sudden ah. you'll be moaning about how bad things look. Um, this right, yeah. this laser wipes. thing sounds like... <clears throat> yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sounds like it sucks, this whole laser game. Sounds like terrible. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not clean. I mean, you, see the, you can see these fantastic videos. Everything looks clean and beautiful. Even when you're cutting steel with, with, you know, with a, with a fiber laser... Um, and marking steel, it's the smell that comes off that it needs to be really well vented. Um, but good luck. It's, it's going to work. It's going to work for what you want it to do, which is putting maker's marks on on leather. So, yeah, good luck. But, yeah, make sure you're not using JPEGs. Make sure you're using SVGs or Illustrator files, that kind of thing. 
Dang. 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 I'll tell you what, we haven't talked enough about abrasives. Jeff, what abrasives do you use? Oh, combat. Com- I use the 36, the 36 grit shredder belts or dynamite. And mm. if you go to combatabrasives.com, put in the promo code KNIFETALK15, you're going to have 15% off your order. And when you're buying all your belts and your abrasives and you're buying your mops and you're buying your wheels and you're getting all that compound, go get yourself some of that purple compound for you Kydex guys. They have special wheels specifically for Kydex edging and they have special purple compound for it. Put in promo code full knife. Sorry, sorry. Wait, wait a second. Knife talk fifteen. You're gonna get fifteen percent off your order. That pulls off a lot. So go get yourself some of that combat abrasives. Stop playing. So, why don't we do a little bit of conversation, conversating about uh, our friend Finkels here? Last week we were talking about the Damasteel uh, build along. Why don't we talk about the build-along, how successful it's been, and then we'll talk a lot how we use Damasteel and how, what's the best ways to go about starting this project up. Yeah, sure. So, mm, so yeah. first off, we've sold out of the pieces needed for the build-along. Um, so we knew it was going to be limited, so they're limited to 50 pieces. So 50 people were going to join us on a build-along, and myself are doing it, and Jeff's doing it, and Reco's doing it. We're all going to do this mass build-along, all using exactly the same um, dimension piece. Um, but they've sold out. So what they've said is they're working very hard to get more in stock of this specific piece. Uh, the pattern is Vinland, which is a, this beautiful, beautiful pattern. Um, um, so follow them on social media. They are Dharma Steel Lab. And I don't care no, what anybody wait tells. A second. I don't care what anybody tells me. They're Dharma Steel Lab on Instagram. <laughs> we got a feedback. Someone <laughs> said, "I can't stand it anymore. It's not Dharma Steel Lab. It's, yeah, it's Dharma Steel AB." No, a B no. A B stands for I think it's the LLC of Sweden. Oh, the website also is damasteel.se. Right, damasteel.se. That's but, for the website. Yes, yeah. Right. But follow them on social where they are Damasteel Lab <laughs> or Damasteel A B if you want to be really petty about it. Um, really petty. Um, and they're gonna, they're going to put some stuff up when they've got more <laughs> stock because they've been hassled by it by our listeners saying we we want more. Um, right. So they're working hard to get more. Um, but the more people that do this build along, the better, because I think it's going to be great. The, the, the only constriction that we have is that it needs to be um, a culinary knife. And that leaves the door wide open to a bunch of things. So seeing what people are going to make with this relatively, well, the piece is 200 by 25 mil and it's 3.2 mil thick. Um, so it's going to be cool to see what people are making with that, with the, with these same restrictions that we all have. Um, but yes, Question. So Dharma, yes. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. So once they do the build along, does that automatically put them into the knife, the Damasteel Invitational, or do, do they have, do they have to apply for that as well? It does. Well, they'll need to send through photos of okay. their finished of their finished piece. Okay. Um, so we have Fing- well, we have Fingal and Jeff with us. We're both Damasteel Chef Invitational winners, champions, champions, <laughs> champions. It's my champions. Champ- okay, I need to win this one. Yeah. Okay, champions. I'll win this one. Where um, can you actually find a picture of the of the blade um, that you're for the build along? 
Um, well, it's up to you, your own inter- interpretation. So ah, this so is just a blank. A you get the rectangular. You're just billet. getting a blank. Uh, uh-huh. uh, sorry, okay. a billet, and it's up to you what you. It just needs to be a culinary knife. So it could be a you know a para knife, a petty knife, even a bottle opener, anything that you'd use in a kitchen. Um, so it's going to be fun to see what people are using. Um, so yeah, Dharma Steel Lab on Instagram. Follow them. They'll let, let you know when more pieces become available. They're selling like hotcakes. They're selling out very, very fast. Um, so what we're going to do over the coming weeks is uh, when myself, Jeff, and Rekko get our pieces, we're going to, you know, we're going to do the heat treat. And we're going to talk you through that process, and we're going to talk you through, you know, our design decisions and all the rest of it, all leading up to the Chef Invitational. Um, where they will pick a winner and they will win an award and um, there, there's prizes as well to be won. Um, it's it's going to be it's going to be good. So I really want why, to win because, a pair of pants. <laughs> the Dama Steel pants. Hey, Carly, I'm working. I'm working for the pants. Yeah. Carly, <laughs> the pants. We need the pants. Carly, we need the pants. <laughs> Carly <laughs> listens. Yo, the Dama Steel people love this podcast. 30, they don't mind our nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> they don't mind our nonsense. Yeah, 36, 20, 36, We're only 22. here for the pants. Yeah. <laughs> We're, I mean, they're 36, 22, Carly. 36, 22. So, the 32, for Christ's sakes. I'm not two feet tall. So, so I guess, why don't, while we're here, I mean, um, Fingal talk, talked me through. I mean, Fingal is my coach. Like, if I'm Rocky, he's Mickey. Because he taught me how to, <laughs> he taught me how to use it. So why don't we talk about how easy it is to use the damn steel, how to heat treat it, and we can talk about cryo versus not cryo, how to etch it. We could do a quick little, how, just tell people how easy it is to work with. Well, the first thing I'd recommend for anybody is to go to the website because there is literally on that page, you know, there is a whole section divided to the, to the downloads. And on that, you actually have the specs for the thing. So if you go to the website, you click on downloads, and inside that, you have your steels um, that are all in there. Now, there is... We have all our names for the patterns, um, and then you have the, the, the sort of their own code for the Martin Citic sort of steel. Um, so you have the basically they, they also make a, a steel for for perhaps jewelry and that kind of thing, which is a steel that won't harden, or a Damascus that won't harden. But it's all on these very easy to follow um, kind of spec sheets on what to do. So I think for for most of the cases, you know, you are if you're going to be a grindstock removal kind of person who's just going to buy the billet grind it down and then or heat treat it and 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 then sort of do your grinding afterwards it's it's actually not that bad one of the things is if you want to go down the liquid nitrogen road or if 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 not just just kind of skip that step but um this could get complicated i don't think we need to delve into the whole temperatures that you reach and everything else because the specs are there but you do have these options at your at your fingerprints at, at your fingers you know you you can kind of make it as simple or as easy as you want to and again like it's all down to perhaps the the, the slight subtle benefits of of the liquid nitrogen for the grain structure and, and everything else but um i i think i've been using rwl 34 which is the main steel that they use for almost all of their 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 damascus and it's 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 very easy to work with i've always had great success with stainless steel blades no matter what i just think that that you know carbon steel can be a little bit trickier at times where it just won't harden for you at all but um, yeah, I, I, what detail do you want me to go into in relation to the? Well, I think for for our listeners who might be just you know maybe apprehensive, I mean the idea is is you're gonna need a kiln. Mm-hmm. Heat treating in heat treating in a forge, it's really impossible because you're, oh, you're I don't holding think you can it. Reach, like if we're gonna do centigrade, was it? It's uh, one thousand and eighty. I think like it was that. like nineteen twenty five ish. Mm. 1925 Fahrenheit was what you what I've been heat treating it at. So you got to hold it for for quite a while, and you do need stainless foil to kind of, 
yeah, maybe, I mean, I, I use stainless foil for stainless and that prevents the oxygen mm. from, you know, taking out too much or whatever. Um, Do you know what I've been but, using of late is, have you heard of Cordusal and these sort of spray on, I've actually just got some recently, which is like almost like a spray on version in a can um, mm. as well. But the Cordusal is like a paint on sort of version or the equivalent of wrapping in foil. And I've had great, great luck with it. I mean, I think it's anything... I think on the other side of 1,100 degrees centigrade is probably getting a little... And if it's too long, a holding time at that temperature, it's probably not as good. But um, these cortisol paints and a good coat of that is actually the equivalent of using the um, the stainless steel foil. And I think still to this day, stainless steel foil will always be that little bit better. Um, but it, it can you imagine that rather than when you take the blade out of the kiln, you're going straight up against your aluminium to suck the heat out. You don't have that right. buffer of the foil and it doesn't puff up on you and you don't have any other kind of things like that. Um, but yeah, no, uh, the, the, I've, I've kind of slightly converted to this, to this new kind of paint on heat treating, um, uh, the heat resistant paint. That, mm. um, hmm. yeah, very, very good. One of the things I noticed was I was concerned that when the, my, the piece of Damasil arrived that I used, I thought that it was going to be pre-hardened, and it wasn't. It was annealed. It was, it was a little bit tougher. Kind of stainless steel is always a little bit tougher than carbon steel to kind of use with you using a saw and stuff like that. Do you have to, you, you don't have to normalize the billet once you get ready to heat treat, right? I think the only time you have to do that is if you kind of get a round billet or anything and you start forging it. You know, if you're right. going to literally go in and out of a kiln or the forge and you're going to be hammering right. it and changing it. And then, you know, those kind of things, then you need to go back to, to normalizing. But um, in relation to just plain grindstock, which most people will be doing. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's sort of very much a case of 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 do what you want to do. Outline, drill your holes and then heat treat it. And then what I do myself is um, I'll grind because I'm I'm always keeping it on two and a half mil, three mil thick stock. So mm. I'll, I'll happily grind the, the the sides of the blade after heat treatment, uh, right. and it is it's a hard steel. But I think it, it, the initial grinding it's quite hard. You'll find that it, it it doesn't kind of melt away like certain steels. But it is a damn sight easier to get a really lovely buttery smooth um, kind of mirror polish on. Uh, the the mirror polishing I find very easy with with damascus steel. Um, but it is it can be around 62 if not more um rockwell so you'll just find that the um the early grinding you might use you, you yeah some steels just definitely melt away under the under good a good belt like combat but yeah when it comes well, down to you. mirror polishing yes it it definitely it, that's the easy part i've worked with some devilishly hard steels and just part of the fun of like working with 4v or anything else like that you do not have a hope in hell of ever achieving a mirror polish with that um, by hand um whereas with that's probably the best thing about damascus steel for me is that ease of of getting a good finish on it um it it, it just it, it just mirror polishes up beautifully and that's largely down to the rwl34 so we're going to keep it simple we're not going to pre-grind before heat treating pop your holes before you do that and let's not fool around heat treated i'm heat treated between plates a little air have some uh, get ready for uh, do your grinding after your heat treating and tempering. The heat treating sig this heat treating temperatures are on the website. Mm -hmm. I'm amazed at how good the YouTube videos are on the etching. Let's just talk a little bit about the etching. Mm. It's not very chloride to etch. You're using warm. You, you might you might see an outline or or things like that from the ferric, but you're not going to get what it tends to do is kind of dirties up the steel. I mean, one of the lovely things about about damascus steel is that very high glossy silvery kind of finish 
So there are multiple acids that you can use for this. And I think everybody has, you know, work with what you have. There's no harm in a quick little test etch. And I've found, and I might get this the wrong way around, but I feel that you actually will get the blacks blacker with a, a sulfuric acid than you will with perhaps the hydrochloric or the muriatic. Um, but both will work. And you know, there's only going to be this little subtlest of details between them. Now, I slightly warm up the acid to, um, but I mean, that might be needed much more in the sort of the the wintry months but um you know if if you're the more you warm it the more effective the acid is and i don't think you want to go all guns blazing you know you, you're talking about body temperature sort of um sort of temperature acid if not a little bit more um will actually you'll see the you'll actually see a more reactive kind of almost bubbles in the acid as you attach as you put the blade in there but be careful of any smudges of oil or grease on the blade because if you put it in there and think everything's fine and walk away and come back you'll have this streak of whatever grease that is on your fingers or anything else and that won't etch so you'll have to almost sand everything back all the way again and put it into the acid again so make sure you just give it a good clean and it doesn't take much windex or anything else and just give it a good wipe and a clean before you put it into your acid and yes. do this in the fresh air especially and especially get rid of any sharpie marks because that's <laughs> banana tailpipe tar that's never, banana tailpipe i've never tar. thought of that actually yeah so you can actually do that okay. it, it is a resist i had some tr I, I when actually when you and i when you were helping me i was bothering the hell out of you i must have been bugging the shit out of you it's it good to hear your voice well you're very kind so i didn't want to get any i i, I don't like acids in the shop in general but i didn't want and then i found out that you could use muriatic and then the muriatic what i did was i had a, a little like a hot plate and then i put a jar in it of water and then i put my uh i have a boot a boot a drinking boot and i put that the muriatic in the drinking boot and i put it in the band marie what's on, a drinking uh, like, boot I know. You know That's like the, my next question. Yeah. No, like, you know, the fucking boot, the Das boot from like, uh, you know, when, the beer boot. <laughs> okay. yeah. The glass the beer boot. A glass the welly. glass welly, right. The beer okay. boot, whatever, the drinking boot. I don't know what you call okay, it. Cool. So I used like a band marie and I was able to heat the water up, which heated up the muriatic. And I was amazed at how well the muriatic worked. Because I just didn't want to go get hydrogen, whatever hydrochloric yeah. acid. I don't want to get any of that. Hydrochloric and muriatic are, I think, identical in many ways. I could, like, well, I, I had them. muriatic in the shop because I used to thing, use though. it. To... I think they're the same thing. I, right. I think culturally well, speaking, yeah. But um, yeah. you're talking to a moron, so I don't know. And and <laughs> not only do I not know, part of me doesn't even care. So I just had it, and I was thrilled, and it worked great. Now, by the way, um, there's also acid concentration levels out there. So it, what I did for years and years and years. Um, was I used to kind of go off to the hardware store and buy concrete cleaner, which has um, about 10% hydrochloric or, or muriatic in it. So that literally is the stuff that kind of will bubble when you kind of spill any on concrete and kind of cleans the floors. Now, that's, that's enough to, to sort of agitate and irritate the skin and do everything. Mm. But it's also enough if warmed up in a, in a like I said, like, like your Das Boot um, drinking glass welly, I kind of have a, a, a beer cooler and I'll put a bucket of hot water into that and I have like a cereal container which has my acid in it. And I'm there's a website you can go to. Everybody probably has them in their own country where you can kind of buy these acids online and you have the choice between 10%, 20%, 30% concentrate acids. And um, I've never understood why, but there is this thing about you, you add one to the other not the other way around for there's a there's a chemical reaction and i'm not sure which way around but i'm sure it'll be clearly labeled on the on the bottle or the container of the acid but um 
yeah, the, the stronger the acid, obviously, the more the more reaction you're going to get. Now, I think that for a cleanliness of these things, you don't ever want to force or go too fast with these things. Um, you may get blacker blacks by going down the slower, um, more careful kind of road and a better penetration um, and cleaner lines. But um, overall, work with what you have and just keep checking the blades. Just keep taking them out of the acid and having a look and, and, and watching them and, uh, and work with what you have. Um, just start off with one knife don't put all, all if you if you're making 10 or so blades for example don't put them all in mm. on your first time round do one blade at a time until you're confident with your process and how and do you then, neutralize those blades when you pull oh, them out easiest thing in the world bread soda you know right. bread soda bicarbonate of soda is, yeah. is you know on every you know, every shop around for baking bread and a couple of tablespoons of that chucked into into water is instantly neutralizes it and you can it can foam and bubble and you know, it's the cheapest ingredient you ever got that does the simplest thing. Um, but yeah, I, I have them next to each other. My my acid, um, I have a another cereal container full of full of um, full of the, the the bread soda, and that's like it gets u- ugly and mucky, but it's still I just throw another tablespoon in every so often. But yeah, it, it's yeah. very handy. Now, what I do find is that to just keep the blacks black. Um, like I often suffer with high carbon steels. You know, making sure that the slightest smudge or anything you can't even wipe it with paper towel afterwards you just kind of you can damage or, or you know you can you can mark your perfect etch as it comes out of the mm. thing but with the um with this with the damasteel what i tend to do is i take it out i actually instantly you know put it into the bread soda and then i'll squirt it with the windex and these kind of things and then i will dry it with um, a compressed air kind of gun and dry the blade out and just kind of leave that sit for a while and then kind of go buffing later on. Uh, you don't want to leave these overnight because if you haven't cleaned off enough of the acid, you know, you might get a little browniness and stuff there, but I've never found it bad enough to actually damage the blade. But um, mm. yeah, I think I think there are little tricks you can do, but I always find that no matter what, when you finish the knife, you'll have you'll have taken it to the buffer multiple times and um, it's very easy at the, the tail end of the whole process when your handles are on and everything's finished to just, you know, put a bit of paper towel and insulation tape around the handle and just put the blade back in for another little kiss with the acid to bring the, 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 just that little, little kiss, um, to, to emphasize the, the black notes. Mm. Cool. Cool. Okay. So if you're not involved in the build along, you need to be, um, I say Dharma steel lab on Instagram, go take a look and they'll let us know when there is more, uh, more steel available. What we got, Jeff, what do you think we should do? Uh, well, we have a uh, few things. We have uh, why me, why me, why does this always happen to me? We have listener feedback and um, yeah, whatever you want, more questions, whatever you want to do. Okay. You line up some listener feedback and I'll tell okay. everybody about Indasa Rhinoet. It's the sandpaper of the superstars. It's what everybody uses. Um, why wouldn't you? Um, who wants to be there hand sanding with old, dull, crappy paper? Nobody. We all use Indasa Rhinoet for a reason. It's the best stuff. And you can get that from Texas Farrier Supply. TexasFarriersupply.com where they sell Rhinoet. They sell all the tools you could possibly need, whether you're a farrier, a knife maker, metal worker, whatever you are. Go take a look. TexasFarriersupply.com And if you use Knife Talk 10, you'll get 10% off the complete order. Everything in your cart, 10%. Knife Talk 10. Go take a look. TexasFarriersupply.com well, if you want to send us listener feedback, anything you want to do, um, you can go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram and shoot us a message. Uh, the DMs are the best place. That's the only place I will actually appreciate a, a message, to be honest with you. Uh, Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. 
Um, this one comes from our friend uh, Aiden over at uh, Cutthroat Knives. And he goes, man, Knife Talk got me through the last few dentist appointments. The dulcet <laughs> tones of you, Mareko, and Craig as two individuals jammed four hands into my mouth, scraped and power washed. <laughs> Uh, scraped and power washed my insides and poked the softest part of my body with hard stain stainless tools and blame me for the bleeding. So, so is he going to the dentist and asking the dentist to put this on speakers, or is he still is he wearing like earbuds? What's going on? I don't know, man. Jeez. Poor I, the dentist is not my favorite place. I can tell you that. You like the doctor, don't you? You like being pegged by the doctor. <laughs> we know. We know. <laughs> It's your favorite thing. I, I, you know, now my relationship with my doctor has changed where I like to, uh, I like to berate him. That's my new, my new, this is what, when you get older. Get him all start worked to, up to you before, you before you get he goes older in. and you start to form relationships with these healthcare providers. As long as I'm in the right and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Is it all about the I makeup have, sex, is it? <laughs> it's I fucking let let him have it. I tell you, I tell you a funny story. Speaking of getting pegged, I tell you a funny story. <laughs> I tell you a funny story. This is actually true. My my doctor known me for a long time, and he called. He, let, he lets me call him Jim. I don't call him doctor, mm. whatever. He call him Jim. Hey Jim, it's, I'm coming. Up. So so he's going through my stuff, and he goes, "Oh, why did you get a colonoscopy? You're too young." He's like, "You're not supposed to get it until you're 50. I'm like, "This was a couple years ago." I was like, "Ah, yeah, I had a bad problem with my. I got one because they told me to, you know." And then I he said, "Why did you get a? Why did you get a your prostate checked?" And I said, "Well, I, you know, the guy at the this guy told me to go. I, I do what, what are you asking me for? I, I already did it." And and I and then he looked in the notes and he said, "What did you tell this woman? What did you tell the prostate doctor?" And I said, "What are you talking about?" And he goes, "This is the strangest uh, chart I've ever seen." And it was basically like she had basically accused me of going in to just get to. I wanted a finger up my ass. She thought that I was gone it because we I was too young. It, I was too young, and the, my, it was all the, the the referral was very strange, and apparently that happens. So that he he's laughing, he's sitting in the office with me, he's laughing his ass off because I must have said something that made her her think that I just wanted to get a finger up my ass. So I don't know how we got onto that, but no. uh, there you go. So the answer is the <laughs> answer is I don't topic. have to get it. The answer is the answer is Jim. Jim is Jim loves me coming in because I usually yell at him and then I explain why I got my a finger stuck up my ass. Yeah, it's not stuck up my ass. All right, keep going. Let's go. Keep going. Let's get me out of this thing. So Blades by Johnny's got a good one, and this is actually a good topic of conversation. Blades by Johnny says, "I just want to say how awesome you guys are for sharing tips and tricks." Been messaging makers lately, and it's crazy how guarded people get. I understand people got to pay their dues, but what happened to helping other makers? Anyway, made me appreciate the show more. Thanks. Now, this is an interesting conversation to have because uh, I just got back from the Center for Mental Arts, and I talked with uh, Pat Quinn, who is a just extraordinary blacksmith. And when I was there, he has these enormous power hammers. He's just an extraordinary blacksmith. And he, I figured years ago, Jesse Savage and I were saying, is at some point they're going to figure out how to make real si life-sized anvils. Because they'd been, for years, they'd made small ones. And we didn't say anything. He's very private. So we go in to see the giant hammers in the octagon, and there, sitting there are two fully forged 250-pound anvils that they forged. And... It was amazing. It was amazing seeing uh, someone that I know who's extraordinary to blacksmith create these beautiful hammers. They, I mean, beautiful anvils, and they got work to do. And I said, well, 
I, you haven't taken pictures of him yet. Why? And he goes, well, I'll be honest with you. I, and I said to him, will you teach classes? I figured at some point down the line, you're going to teach anvil making classes. I mean, who wouldn't want to go make an anvil? And he goes, I'm very conflicted. And he says, because what happens is, is sometimes I'll teach a class or I'll, people will see what I'm doing and they'll ask me how I did it. And then they'll start doing it and then making money off all the time and energy that I spent researching this thing. Mm-hmm. And it became a very interesting conversation because I am... Uh, torn to a certain degree in regards to, you know, spend a lot of time and you guys spend a lot of time figuring out what you're doing, how you're doing it. If you teach somebody how to make your stuff and then they start to make your stuff, is that good? I think there's a difference between the absolute basics of telling somebody how to, you know, who wants to make their first knife with with a horse rasp to actually the little intricate kind of things that you do that make your knives unique to yourself. Now, I think it's brilliant to share. Some people are, 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 are like live to educate and to pass that knowledge. And I'm so grateful for that. And I think that, that we are as a community are incredibly open. But I think knowing the, the boundaries of what makes you unique and, you know, it kind of goes back to that whole thing of, well, as like people who when they give you a recipe, they just leave out that one ingredient. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that one thing that makes their cupcake the best cupcake. <laughs> but at the same time, I think when somebody's stuck and to actually get through the absolute basics, but... um. Yeah, I think just knowing what you're going to... I mean, and tell somebody straight from the beginning. Look, these, these things are, are part of my own little way of doing it. But if you, if you ever want help to, to do your own version, or if you want to shoot anything past me, then I think this is a community that definitely educates and passes on knowledge. Yeah, I think I, I simple think, thing. Go ahead, sorry. Sorry, I was just going to say, I think it's about people's intention as well yeah. um, and the way they contact you. Um, oh, yeah. There's a lot of people who think the world owes them everything and, <laughs> a video um, tutorial <laughs> exactly right. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they don't want a simple answer they want you to spend the afternoon uh, as you say making a full tutorial specifically for them um, and that's not uncommon <laughs> you know I'm sure we all get messages like that um, but I think if somebody's saying look I've tried this and I'm struggling with it I think most people are more than happy to help but when people maybe haven't tried or they're asking for just so much of your time it can it can sting a little. I've done a tutorial where, and I'll be vague about it, and and the person ended up doing the exact thing I do the tutorial on exactly. Mm. I mean, from the material to the sizing to everything, and then went out of their way to start a business doing it, which is fine. God, God bless you. But then when there was any type of feedback, of like you know, are you just making this guy's thing? There was a very like. Well, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, there's plenty of business to go around. And it was almost like this defiant, it was almost this defiant, you know, um, there's more, there's more, there's plenty of fish in the sea. And, you know, as opposed to, you know, spending all this time and energy to create something and then you just kind of figure it out because you watch what he does and then you just kind of just do it on your own. There is something very sad about that. Now, in regards to Pat Quinn, you know, it's going to be a fucking, you're going to have to, it's, it's going to be a very special person who can make 300, forge 300 pound anvils. Now, can I, can I there are, you, what, com- what, what steel is used? And surely you need to have those giant 4140. 4140. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I talked, cause I talked about it with uh, Jesse and we're going to talk about it on full blast this coming week mm-hmm. that you, there are giant steam hammers that are now in use for basically those giant hammers now are basically for the department of defense. 
and they're basically for like these ridiculous things. They're in stock. They're, the people are using them still, using them for giant hooks or giant chains and all this stuff. And if you were you, there would probably be a way for you to figure out how a person could, you know, con- contract one of these companies and say, "Here's how we're going to do it. I figured out how to do it, and this is how we're going to do it, and we're going to make forged anvils." Is it something that's probably not going to happen? It most likely it isn't going to happen. But I understand the feeling of spending years and years trying to figure something out, and then you kind of put it out there, and then all of a sudden. Somebody just takes all of the years of your research and then they puts it, put it out in their own name. I would have a bitter feeling about it too. That's one of the reasons why for the friction folder class, I only teach as a class and I don't sell them. I'll teach it as a class because in my, my mind, it's much more interesting as a class. If you want to make them, go make them. I don't care because I'm not selling them. That's not my business. Mm-hmm. So, But I'm very much along the lines of, I, I knew a, a sculptor who used to teach sculpture class and he would teach how to make his sculpture. And he would just say to the students, just please don't make my sculpture to sell. But it was just like, bro, don't fucking tell them how to make your sculpture. It's like, that's really the issue because you can't trust these motherfuckers. But I mean, it's, it's it, you know, teaching someone how to make scallops for a serrated knife is one thing or teaching someone how to etch is another thing. But, you know, I mean, imagine, here's another example. Imagine you're a cook and you want to go learn how to make a special, a special hamburger, and you go to this place where you love their hamburgers, and you go in, you talk to the chef, you figure out exactly how he makes his hamburgers, then you open your business and you do fucking his hamburgers. That guy's not going to be very happy about it. Mm. Yeah. I was watching that, 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 I was listening to a podcast about the, the Bloomin' the bloomin Onion. You know, the, oh, yeah, yeah, the Bloomin' Onion, yeah. That came out of New Orleans, and now it's the, the, the Australian chain, is it the Outback? Outback, Outback Steakhouse, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that the backbone of their business is the Bloomin' Onion. But that orig- originated in uh, a New Orleans kind of restaurant. It was the, the first place to do it. And uh, what's interesting is that there's, there's nothing, there's, there's no patenting. There's no sort of thing you can no. do with food. And it must be incredibly frustrating. But um, yeah. There are people who, there are, there are cooks who say, he took my vinaigrette. Like, that's a big thing. You know, like, with food especially, the food thing is interesting too because, you know, you want to give the people what they want. You know, and somebody's doing something wild, and it's not really that wild. You know, it's just like if you can make it happen. I mean, there's all these trends that are going on, and you can just kind of piggyback on these trends, and it's what people want. You can feel bad. You can feel bad that somebody just taking your idea. I, I, I would have a hard time with that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. yeah. But I mean, at the same time, I like to help people. I mean, I strictly go here. I do get messages of saying, people, can you do a video on how you did that? And that's annoying. But like, I'll do here and stuff like that. But I mean, at the same time, like, God bless guys like Mareko who want to give it all away. But I can understand why people wouldn't, you know? Well, there's a fine line between, the, like, I found this in, the, in, the, in our food side of things. I mean, the cheese that we make is incredibly hard to make. Um, it's very hands-on and, and seasonally so much changes the knowledge base to make it. So there is this point that when you share your information, it's fantastic. Because a lot of people want to tick a box. They, they very much want to, you know, it's like sourdough bread. As soon as they made a couple of loaves, they stop making it then afterwards. They successfully pulled it off and they move on to the next thing. Um, and I think that the, um, there is this point where, where it is just fascinating to learn from, from people um, at the higher levels and, and how things are actually pulled off. And it's wonderful for to learn the inner working so for like for Moreco's pa- patterns 
it is to actually understand what went into that to make a weaving pattern. How do you even do that? How do you conceptualize without actually maybe even asking? So there is this point where you're looking and putting these people on, on a, on, you know, that are on a pedestal and deserve to be, you know, there is this thing where you do actually have to ask how they did that to understand the workload that went into it. So there's two sides to this as well. Well, but it's the same time, you know, one thing is, and obviously Mareko's not here, but he would probably agree with me if I said this. He's said to me in private that he knows that people are basically just knocking his stuff off and it, it and it probably hurts a little bit, you know, because, you know, it's, it's, it's like all this, I, I you know, I, it's weird. It's weird. And I, I'm, I have, a, I'm kind of go both sides of the fence on this thing. I am very, like, I didn't take pictures of, of, of Pat's hammers and he actually just posted them to, to hand forge and VT. If you I want to see what they look, look like. I'd love to see what they look like. Yeah. He made bridge anvils, which is a really this neat thing that the, the Johnstown forge, a bridge anvil is an anvil and then it has two legs that go directly to the floor that are bolted down so you don't have a stump. So it's like these two long legs and they're beautiful. They're beautiful. And he made them without the legs and they're going to figure out the legs are pretty easy, but it's just this amazing thing. And, you know, he's got a lot going on. But after talking to him for a while about it and kind of like, you know, he finally posted pictures about it. And they're, they're I mean, they're huge, they're huge and they're amazing. And you don't really see people forging, you know, 300 pound anything. So. But that, with that said, I think it was an interesting conversation. I thought, mm, yeah, thank yeah. you very much to Blades by Johnny. I will feel free to send me a message, and I will tell you to fuck off. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just, just kidding. Just kidding. <clears throat> J Mod Knives says, "I have some listener feedback. Last week you were talking about sharpening with whetstones, mm. and I believe I have found the training wheels for people wanting to get into whetstone sharpening." Work Sharp, that's the name of the company, makes a base for your whetstones that have the angle guides to each end of the stone. So now you can start off slowly making sure you're keeping the angle as you get more comfortable. You can do more swipes in between, checking to make sure you're keeping your hand steady. I'm probably only 10 knives into working with this product, and I can almost point to where uh, I can probably take the training wheels off. This is the opposite of buyer's remorse, 100% satisfaction. Always love the show. Let's okay. All right. Um... I tell you what, Jeff, tell us about your grinder. Oh, holy mackerel. The Broadback Ironworks 2x72 grinder is an awesome grinder. Uh, I love using it. And what I do is I go to broadbackironworks.com and I can look at all the things they have. Not only do they have a 2x72 grinder, but they have a lot of attachments. Attachments that work great with the 2x72 grinder and attachments that you can retrofit onto your other uh, uh, 2x72 grinder if you have to. So if you go to broadbackironworks.com put the promo code KNIFETALK100 you can get the $100 off uh, their uh, their grinder packages and if you put uh, put in a KNIFETALK200 you get my mistake. You get if you. I'm sorry about that. I have it right here. What am I crazy? If you go to broadbackironworks.com and then you put in the promo code Knife Talk 200, you get two hundred dollars off the grinder packages. And you put on Knife Talk 100, you can get a hundred dollars off their sharpening system, service belt grinder, and leather sewing machine. So Broadback Ironworks, you've done it again. I got the Moreco Platin with um, the the ceramic um, backing. And I've totally fallen in love with it. I think the I've never worked with the ceramic platen before, and they are they are actually wonderful. There is, um, yeah, yeah, I'm actually very much enjoying the whole the whole process of the addition. Love it, love it. Cool. Okay. So, Craig, what do you want to do? We could do more feedback. Go back to questions. Let's do questions. So we've got a long list of questions here. Uh, Jeff, you go down the line, pick a question which you think would be right for uh, Fingal to answer, and one for yourself. 
Um, and I've got one here from um, Speedster Stoves. Uh, greetings. A question for Craig. I'm visiting Bainac in June for a holiday. Uh, Penciled in a trip to Lascaux. Are there any other places in the area you'd recommend for a day out? I'm not bothered about driving for a while. P.S. Don't worry. Not going to drop by. You better fucking not. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Speeds to stoves. I'm joking. I'm joking. Um, places places around that could be um, interesting for a knife maker. There's Tiers, which obviously isn't too far. Or Tier. Um, which isn't too far, which, if you haven't been before, is definitely worth a, village, uh, a visit. The whole village is based around knife-making. It, it's, yeah, it's an incredible place. Um, you, <laughs> I wouldn't say you're going to see some great knives there, but um, there's there's plenty of history there. And most of the factories are pretty open to you going to have a look around as well to see their processes and stuff, so it's quite cool. Um, another place is Nontron. Um, they have a small um, knife festival um, a couple of times a year, actually. Um, again, similar to Tier, but a lot, a lot smaller. Um, the whole place is based around knife making. Um, yeah, so if you're in Bainac, Tier and Nontron are probably the places to go. And Layol as well, further further north, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah. So I mean, that, a lot of these sort of rural French villages that they've they've got they've got this sort of deep history of knife making anyway. Um, but I think Tier Nontron specifically, they're, they're catered for tourists to come and have a look at all these things. I said most of the factories, they'll open their doors so you can go and have a look. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, mm. go take a look. I'm not in that week, by the way. I'm not sure when you're coming, but I won't be there. I'm pretty sure. June? Nah, I'm not there in June. Jeffrey, what have you got? This one comes from Bremner Built Blades. And he says, hey, guys, I had a question for you all. I've been recently completing my first hidden tang knife. My question is about putting a pin through the tang. Is it necessary or is the epoxy enough? I mostly make hunting knives, not a whole lot of kitchen knives. But in the future, I may be making kitchen knives once I get like, my kiln. And you, you mostly uh, hidden tang knives. Fingal, do you feel the need for a pin or no i've, I've never i've never used a ride? pin i I, th I mean i think that the interesting thing is is the what materials you're kind of working with and how long your tang is um the she said i know yeah the i suppose for me i've never seen it i mean on the couple of thousand knives that i've i've made i've never seen any issues with a tang coming out um and i suppose maybe it's the the thing about you know in, in extreme abuse of like being put into a washing machine or whatever else you know will you have abuse in the handles the worst one is perhaps working with burl woods and things like that if you have only a part tank that even dropping them onto a knife like that onto a, onto a concrete floor if it's a burl wood is i'll often find that a handle could perhaps snap in the burl wood if the burl wood has a flaw in it or anything like that it, it almost always seems to be close enough to where the tang ends like the vibration travels through the tang and that sort of is the weak point so you know it's if you have a construction where you have a butt cap and the, and the tang goes the whole way through which is pretty pretty excessive you know but but can have its benefits but to me of all the hidden tang knives i've made i think just very good slow curing epoxy and good you know good materials that you trust um and, and a, a decent enough um length of tang that goes into the handle material and perhaps not grinding down the handle too close to that tang material you're going to be fine i think that it's also you have to pre-think all these things if you are going to have a hole through your tang it's how to marry up the the hole with the um, the tang material because you're going to have to soften that tang to drill through it perfectly. And, um, yeah, you don't want to do that as an afterthought. 
I, I, one thing that I've been doing lately, I've been doing all my fit up before I heat treat and I, like a dry fit everything. Mm. And I actually did a, I don't usually put a Corby bolt in a hidden tang knife, but I actually am doing one where I want the Corby bolt to kind of hold all the parts together. Mm. And I did it all beforehand and I got good results from it. Uh, I don't use, I don't use, um, any hardware for culinary knives. Now I would think for a hunting knife or a knife maybe that you're going to use for camping or something like that, you probably want something in there. But at the same time, it's like, I mean, it all depends on the construction of your tang, I would imagine. Um, I don't, I mean, for culinary, I don't think it matters. I mean, it depends. You can, also, you can also notch up the tang as well. You can put some teeth into the tang as well to actually grip the glues. And, and I mean, I, I think that most of these modern epoxies are actually stronger than, than wood in many kind of cases, as long as there's no yeah. grease or anything left yeah. in there. So I, I think I, I've had to... You know when you screw up a knife, you know you've ground it all wrong, or you meet very annoyingly something unattractive in your burl wood as you're grinding into it, and like, this just won't cut the part. I'm just not happy with this having to actually it's i found it's actually really hard to smash the handle off <laughs> you know i i yeah. i think these glue it's almost not happening um and i make my my knives in kind of like they look like they've been made made by an eight-year-old you know in, in the early stages of kind of gluing them all together it's really because i shape everything down afterwards there's no work done in advance bar the the making all the the layers of the hidden time life completely parallel you know everything comes out afterwards with the grinding I'm sorry for all the helicopter noise and the fire f- fire engines if you hear it on, from my end, but I've been getting notices that not too far from our house there's like a forest fire. No way! Oh, so apparently we're. I mean, no, can we're you not, smell it? There's no. F- no, no. I mean, it would be. It's like towards the park where, where the park where we're at. What's the weather like, like at the moment? It has fire. been quite dry. It's hot as shit. It's like really? it's like in the 80s right now. It's, no yeah, way! It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I'm actually dying in my car right now but, oh no way um we're freezing yeah, so, our asses off over here we can't wait for a spring oh to start. it's 84 it's it's hot it's it's a beautiful summer day here i right know oh. beautiful summer day so welcome Jeez. to new york i love new york <laughs> it feels like only yesterday you're in in the snow and the ice yeah, oh, yeah it was like yesterday there was the snow so um yeah i mean for back to back to it for a culinary knife i mean you're not really doing a whole lot i think that people get overdo it honestly with um with their culinary knives just because it's just you're not beating the shit out of things so hard that the handle's gonna break i've never actually heard of a handle breaking unless maybe you don't have enough tang or maybe it's just a little 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 bit like sketcheroony but i've never seen a handle break yeah what are you doing if it is Yeah. yeah right okay okay let's let's call it a day um should we do a little sneaky after show yeah let's do it Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Fingal, for joining us on the show. We should speak to you all again next Monday. Bye for now. Okay. Oh, oh somebody somebody's cracking, cracking a can. Look at you. Wow. Look at you. Oh, Look at you. That's it. Pants off. <laughs> That's the way. Are you had pants on already? You didn't, I mean, <laughs> well, why I wasn't you dressed the entire anyway? time, buddy. So what's been going on? What's been what are you reading, listening to, watching Fingo? What's what's been going on? I've been listening to a, a, I'm almost back to back podcasts at the moment. I've, I've kind of there's a crowd called Gimlet and they do all the the heavyweight and all these kind of ones and there's a, every little thing. And I I love hate relationship with it because I like the senseless podcast full of facts and it kind of you know and I've been very much enjoying that in the background. 
um so i've been listening to those while working away um um and yeah mostly i've been working a lot with carbon fiber so i'm itchy as fuck all constantly (laughs) and i i I definitely want to improve my my extraction uh, on that kind of side of things apart from that yeah it's been it's been a lot of work i've been i've been fine do you know when you want to stay up and watch a movie it's a great intention to kind of just relax when everybody's in bed i have the whole house myself and i haven't made it five minutes before i fall asleep in front of the screen so um yeah i haven't i haven't shaken that head cold feeling where i'm actually um feel like i'm i'm full guns blazing um but i'm looking forward to that can i tell you how crazy it is that you said that because only because i i had one of the students who took the friction folder class is a is a journalist on one of the Gimlet podcasts. Mm. Can cool. you believe that? Cool. And then I have another friend who used to run Gimlet. Okay. Oh wow. So it's just like what a strange what a strange world. I never thought in, in like in three weeks I heard the same goddamn obscure company and people being involved with it. It's mm. very weird. Life is so strange. Yeah. And what is it like a network? Is it? What, what yeah. Is it? Network. Wow. It's network. And a friend of mine who was at the Times ran the uh, ran it for a while. Hmm. And then, uh, look, one of my students was a fucking journalist on the Gimlet. So. Yeah. Well, maybe not such a I think they have a formula that works that's kind of interesting. Things like that. Apart from that, I'm also kind of exciting. There's, there's a, lots of things, hope, you know, hoping, hoping to kind of kick off this summer. And people are kind of, you know, the adventures of, of things. I have a crowd coming to film from Huckberry, I think, are going to come down in... Um, they're just coming down for a day to do a bit of filming in Gabine. And so there's, um, yeah, a few other projects like that happening. Uh, I think kind of everybody's starting to come out of the woodwork as the, as the leaves are coming onto the trees and kind of thinking of the, mm. of, of the positivity of everything. So I'm, I'm kind of, a, I'm looking forward to the few projects and getting out and about. Wow. I, yeah. I've been so happy with baseball. Baseball is back, and we listened to an incredible baseball game yesterday at the shop. They've been doing more day games in the beginning of the season, which I love, and it's just my wife loves it. We're, it's like a, it's like a distraction for all of us, and for audio, for listening to audio. There's no easier game to follow than baseball, and it like kind of like makes you think about where everything is and where everybody is, so... I've just been listening to baseball. I've not missed one Yankee game since the season started, so it's been so much fun. Nice. Very nice. Well, I haven't been listening or watching anything. Um, I've had a crying baby on my shoulder. So, um, yeah, so I'm looking for recommendations, stuff to watch. Um, It's been so – because I've been away from the house now for three, nearly four weeks. Is there any work happening there while you're away? Um, not knife related, no. Um, no, but I mean, like uh, construction wise. Oh, oh yes, sorry, yes, yes, quite a bit, quite a bit in the house. Um, so we're excited to get back and see that. Um, my wife specifically, she's had uh, this whole new office built and um, in a whole new building, so she's really happy about that. So we're looking forward to get back and and seeing that. Um, but yeah, it's it's been so weird just being away from your sort of you know creature comforts and mm. and all these things and you know everybody's very welcoming here. We, we you know we're staying with family and we're moving between different family members to give them a break because it's different. You know we come we come with a lot of chaos. Um, yeah, but, it's um, always fun traveling with a pack. But have you bond, yeah. have you bonded with your new home? I mean, is is there an element of that that where now you you kind of you're no longer strangers in it? There's bits that are familiar and you you, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, but it's. It's it's not yours, is it? And um, it's 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 always a little bit lucky. Even now, I'm I mean, I'm on my mother-in-law's bed doing this podcast. It's not a normal behaviour for a man of my age. But uh, well, I'm, t- I'm talking about France, though. I mean, like did with you, your new wait, bar. Did you and, offer and, and, her? 
Sorry, Jeff, what was that? Didn't you offer her a sneaky <laughs> finger? I know what you're going to say. Did you offer <laughs> some weird on that bed? Oh, man, yeah. Sneaky finger. That was a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> that was I don't a long time ago. I, don't for- I forget everything except for that stuff. Yeah. I'll yeah. never forget that shit. Bonded with a new home. In France, d- without a doubt, yeah, we've... Um, for a house that was, you know, hundreds of years old, um, it was falling down when we sort of resurrected it and, and made it our own. So we've, you know, we've, we've all got our own sort of spaces and then myself, um, my wife's got a new office and all that. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's, and we can't wait to get back as, as you just said, that the sun is starting and France just comes alive, you know, especially sort of July and August time because everybody's got these big street markets and everybody's outside eating together and there's all these things happening. So as, as, as much as it's been sort of dark clouds over us for the last few weeks with, you know, people being ill and all the rest of it. There's yeah, there's definitely a light coming up soon, which we're all really looking forward to. Have you been out to, to, the, the, to the woodland? Of, oh, have you been out to your little woodland patch and, and that kind of side of things? Um, we have, but um, I ha- haven't been to cut wood. So normally, if you cut wood, you you want to be doing it sort of, <clears throat> excuse me, sort of um, well, January right. time before the before the, the the trees start building up sap again. Ah, okay. You want to cut them as dry as possible. Um, which is the worst time in the in the year to do it because it's obviously cold. Because um, horn, hornbeam can... was one of the woods you have there, isn't it? Hornbeam. I've yes, seen a yes. lot of beautiful stabilized hornbeam actually around, and I, I can imagine it's a. It, it kind of goes. You can. It. it, it I've seen black hornbeam, and it looks mm, like a, yeah. I actually worked with a piece once, and it was a stunning wood. It's kind of like a, imagine bog oak, but without the sort of the, with a much smoother yep. grain structure. Yeah. yeah it it is super super dense mm. it, it's it, it is nice but um yeah we haven't been in for you know to, to cut trees down this year um simply because we've been traveling loads so uh we're, we're leaving it this year but um when are you heading back it's, uh, we're heading back thursday okay um so i'm driving with a with a with a full car Ooh. and my wife is flying with my sister who's coming to visit us with with the kids so but we did we did have a nightmare on the way i'm not sure if i mentioned it on the show the, the nightmare we had on the way over um so it was the same thing my, my wife was flying with the kids and i was driving um daisy one of our twins had an ear infection and my wife's like, painful oh, horrible sure yeah, I'm not sure we should fly because, you know, ears on a plane is never good. So she jumped in the car with me and was like, fine, we've got this big, big drive. It's an 18-hour drive. Um, she's quite happy. She's loaded up with, you know, an iPad to watch films and lots of snacks and so on. We get to um, the Euro Tunnel on the French side um, and um, I, I pull up my pass and the guy was like, oh, right, you've booked the wrong way. You've booked from the UK to France. <laughs> oh, no. And this is now sort of 11 p.m. And I'm like, oh, geez, I'm so sorry. You know, could, could, could I buy another ticket? He's like, well, no, no, you can't. Um, we're fully booked and we've got one of the trains down. So there's nothing like for the next 12 hours at least. And I'm like, oh, geez, no. So I'm in this little, well, I'm in the car, you know, expecting to cross. Can't in the middle of nowhere. I mean, there's hotels there, but it's quite a sketchy area. And I've got a little one in the car with me. Um, so she's like, what the hell am I going to do? So we couldn't actually back out of where we, so you have this, this booth where you need to go through registers, the car and all the rest of it. We'd come through the first booth fine because you just flash the ticket and like, you, there you go. Uh, but now it's all one way traffic to the second booth. We're told we can't get through and we can't get out. So we need to wait for the police to close the road so we can reverse down the road with the police and the blue lights. And my little daughter's like, what the hell is going on here? 
we make a mad dash to the to the ferry to buy a ticket for the next ferry. Um, they were fully booked, and I'm like, oh Jesus! Oh, this is all Easter cold. holidays, kind of around the same time. Exact, right? exactly. Exactly. Sounds like yes, a nightmare. Yeah. It was. Um, it was only because they took pity on me because my daughter was with me. He was just like, look, we can, we can, we can fit one on somehow. So we had to write like a manual on the ferry out for the ferry. Yes, yeah. Um, so we managed to get the ferry then. So it was, yeah, it was a hell of a palaver getting over here. So I'm hoping for a smoother ride on the way you back. You are never going to make that geez. mistake again, are you? <laughs> never again. It was, yeah, very costly. Um, and just, oh, because yeah, you, you're sadly that the, the train ticket's obsolete. I mean, like, that's burned. Oh, yeah, that's gone. Obviously, that's gone. So you then had to buy, you know, a last minute ferry. Oh, you said, oh. and obviously the ferry's a much longer trip as well. So While your wife is hours. drinking a gin and tonic in the air. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Having the easy life, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, hopefully it's going to be easier. But uh, I t- I'm all doom and gloom this episode. Everything's just like <laughs> no fucking kids. You're well, like yin and yang. Yeah, I have a needle, so I mean, we we feel for you, buddy. True, true. You're yin and yang. You have bucket list and then misery. Yeah. You, it all evens out. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it is amazing how you have these like high highs and low lows, like. Life is a roller coaster, Jeff. I'm telling you. That's what you told me before. Yeah, life, life is, a, is a fucking roller coaster. Look at you. And on that, thank you all for listening. We shall speak to you all again next week. Bye for now. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that enables your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.